0: And tonight, we're looking at Ecclesiastes 5, verses 1 through 7. You should have a sheet in front of you that'll have the passage on it. It's the same sheet that's got the lyrics, the music. Um, and so I'll give you a second to either turn there in your Bible, or you can just follow along with that sheet that's in your seat. Um, so last, last, actually two weeks ago, we were together, Ecclesiastes 4. In Eccle- Ecclesiastes 4... Uh, God is never mentioned in the whole chapter. It's kind of interesting. But in the first seven verses of Ecclesiastes 5, God is mentioned seven times. It's interesting. This is the most concentrated talk about God in the whole book of Ecclesiastes. Um, And you you know what it's all about? Worship. Like going to church worship. On Sunday mornings, okay? And so, let's read verses 1 through 7 in Ecclesi- Ecclesiastes 5. Uh, you guys can just follow along with me. Um, starting in verse 1. Good. Uh, it says <clears throat> Guard your steps when you go to the house of God, go near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools who do not know that they do wrong. Do not be quick with your mouth, do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven and you are on earth, and so let your words be few. As a dream comes when there are many cares, so the speech of a fool when there are many words. When you make a vow to God, do not delay in fulfilling it. He has no pleasure in fools. Fulfill your vow. It is better not to vow than to make a vow and not fulfill it. Uh, Do not let your mouth lead you into sin, and do not protest to the temple messenger, my vow is a mistake. Why should God be angry at what you say and destroy the work of your hands? Much dreaming, and many words are meaningless. Therefore, stand in awe of God. Let's pray. Uh, Father in heaven, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for speaking to us. Um, You're not hiding. uh, You're not unknowable, uh, but you actually reveal yourself. um, And you continue to speak through it to us. And so we pray that you help us listen, help us think and reflect. Uh, Many of us, I'm sure, are distracted or tired or just kind of thrown out of our routines. Or been stuck in the house with two little kids for a few days? Uh, wherever we are, wherever we come from, I pray that you would just help us now be attentive. Uh, make our hearts soft. Teach us. Show us Jesus, I pray in his name. Amen. Uh, okay, so I'm, I've been trapped in the house with a couple little kids, okay? I'm sure none of you have. Um, maybe you have, I don't know. Okay, so here's what I want you to do. I want you to imagine. I want you to use your imagination for a moment. Uh, I want you to imagine you were walking into a building. Okay, so go there. Uh, And as you walk in, you get a bag of free popcorn. Sweet. And the first 300 kids get free movie passes. Okay? And then as you find a seat, you notice Taylor Swift kind of playing through the speakers. It's really sweet. Sweet, right? We all like some T-Swift, 1989. Then a band comes out and kind of gets everyone singing a Beatles song, right, a good one, if you know anything about the Beatles, Beatles are great, uh, while there are 248, literally, 248 giant beach balls being tossed around. So imagine, you're still there, Your imagination going, right? After the opening song, a guy walks out on the stage, and he kind of shows a funny, funny movie clip from the new movie that's coming out with Will Ferrell and Kevin Hart. Uh, you laugh a little bit. And then a guy, the guy on stage introduces the main speaker. Uh, but the main speaker isn't there. Rather, he's, he's pre-recorded, and he's on a video screen, right? Um, and while he talks, people are kind of coming in late. They're, they're texting, looking at Facebook, talking, thinking about Chipotle, right? Um, anyway, when the main speaker video stops... Uh, they announced the winner of a Harley Davidson. The Harley Davidson that is about $30,000 that you've been looking at on stage the whole time the guy's been speaking. Um, and and as, so as you're imagining this place, I mean, what, where are we? Where are you? So, I mean, may, is, is it Dollywood? I mean, there's probably Harleys there. Is it Dollywood? Is it some kind of funky IMAX thing? I don't know. Uh, no. No. You are at a church service on any given Sunday in America. Um, Seriously, I could tell you different places and churches where all the stuff I just described to you, every bit of it is happening. Uh, For example, let's give you one, the Harley-Davidson, right? A church in Southern California gave away a free Harley-Davidson. This is wild. To the church member who brought the most guests. Now, I want you to think for a second. This is totally off script. I want you to think, what if you were the guest? And you're like out in your lawn just like cutting the grass. And then that dude kind of goes by and kind of winks at you. You know, like the one that, you know what I'm saying? Like the guy that had invited you. He's like, thank you. You know, like, I mean, how would you feel? It wouldn't feel great, right? And so here's my thing. Like, my point is to condemn any of these things. That's not what we want to do right now. I don't want to condemn these things. I don't want to spend the next few minutes kind of telling you which ones are right, which ones are wrong, and why they're wrong, or why they're right. Rather, I kind of describe this scenario to highlight growing trends um, in worship across America that force us, They really do make us stop and think for a second, make us stop and ask this question. It's a question we need to ask. Are we taking worship seriously? Are are we taking God seriously? Because that's what Ecclesiastes 5 is all about. He's kind of going to get in our face a little bit. Um, You know, are we taking worship seriously? Are we taking God seriously? Because the writer here, uh, the preacher king, right? Um, He takes worship very seriously. In fact... He, he knows God takes worship really seriously. And so what he's going to do for us is he's good to us. He, like, he wants us to worship wisely, right, in a way that's honoring and pleasing to God. And so he's going to do this by, he's going to get us to think about three things, remembering, listening, and speaking. And so let's, let's just take them, there's a ton we could say about worship it's like the thing church people love to fight about the most. It's the reason we leave some churches and go to some churches. Is worship right? Particularly the music. It is. This is what we we love to fight some about some church music, right? All right. He's not going to say anything about music, which is interesting. Um, and so let's just dive in. We're just going to focus on what the passage says. And so there's much more we can say about worship. Probably won't get to it all. But if something's just kind of burning, you want to talk? I'd love to. Um, All right, let's think about remembering, Uh, verses 1 and 2. So the writer of Ecclesiastes, who was probably King Solomon, right, David's son, he starts out in chapter 5, what's he say? Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. He is referring to the temple he built, okay? Uh, A temple that took seven years and 153,000 men to build. So he had something in his mind when he said, guard your steps before you go to the house of God, before you go to church. You Think about it like that. And then later in verse 2, he says a really great phrase. He says, God is in heaven and you, what's he say, you are on earth, right? God is in heaven, you are on earth. And so right away, this dude, I mean we haven't even got through the first couple of verses yet. he's telling us to remember like who we are. like he's, it's very important for us to remember who we are when we approach God. Remember who we are when we go to worship, right? Like he's saying, God is the creator in heaven, right and we are the created. There is a distance and a difference between the Creator and His creation, right? Yes, God draws near. Yes, you know, He's approachable thanks to Jesus, and we can relax, you know, like He's not going to just pound you with a tree. You know what I'm saying? You can do those things, but it's important to remember, like, God is transcendent. God is holy. Um, He's not our homeboy. Like, God is not our peer. He's not like our college dorm roommate. Right, he's very different, very other than. And so Solomon says something. He says, guard your steps when you go to church. Um, God, I mean, he's saying, like, you need to be careful. You need to remember who it is you are going to worship and who you are in his presence, right? It's just kind of a, a good reminder. And so in a sense, he's saying, like, God is safe, right? God is safe. He's obviously approachable. Um, but he's also scary, my God is safe and scary at the same time. And, and I think we forget this, and that's why we're tossing around 248 beach balls in worship services. Um, probably one of the best illustrations uh, of this point, of this safe and scary, is in The Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe. You know the story, right, many of you. C.S. Lewis's book. Anyway, you got Mr. and Mrs. Beaver. They tell the four children that Aslan is a what? Lion. Uh, and Susan replies, the little little one, replies, ooh. Actually, I don't know if she's the little one, is she? No, that's Lucy. Never mind, I'm getting my people mixed up. She, Susan replies, ooh. I'm not going to do the British accent. I know some of you really want it. <laughs> I know, I can tell. I tr- I'm going to be honest with you. I tried it earlier today, like when I was alone. Not, I, did, I, just, I was like, maybe I could. No, I'm not going to do it. All right, so here's what Susan, Susan replies, ooh, is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion, (laughs) okay? And then, that you will, dearie, and make no mistake, said Mrs. Beaver. If there's anyone who can appear before Aslan without their knees knocking, they're either braver than most or else just silly. Then he isn't safe, said Lucy the little one. Right? Safe," said Mr. Beaver. Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe. But he's good. And so there's this there's this idea there that that you know like he is approachable. He we can draw near to him, but man, he is extremely holy. Completely other than what we are right? Uh, And so we got to remember that when we go to worship. Remember the one we are worshiping. The other thing is, he kind of talks a lot about listening. As we go to worship, we need to remember not only who we are worshiping, right, because it's God, and, and God takes worship seriously, we also need to go with our ears wide open, right? The writer literally says, go near to listen. Like, worship is a place for reading, for preaching, for think, hearing God's Word. Like, listening to God's Word is central to worship, right? Listening to God's Word is actually the emphasis of verses 1 to 3. And we all know, like, okay, there is a time to listen. There, like, we all know there is a time not to talk. You know, we've all had those experiences. Like, you know, that time I was caught sneaking out of my house. <clears throat> uh one night it was really late in my dad's truck with three of my friends. There's only three seatbelts. Um, with three of my friends before I had a driver's license, so imagine eighth grade, something like that. Not wise. Wouldn't recommend it to any of you, right? Uh, I mean, I when I was caught, like I didn't talk, did I? No, I did not talk. I just listened, right? And I said, "Yes, sir," you know. Whatever the punishment is, I accept. One, I was a little mad because I was busted. Um, but worship in the Old Testament, just so you know, like it began in silence. A worship service in the Old Testament, it began in silence. There were sacrifices being offered, and no one talked besides priests. Right? It was just kind of a silent moment. And then the silence was broken by one thing, the reading of God's word which was typically one of the first five books of the Old Testament. And so someone would read a passage from the first five books of the Old Testament, and then there would be like an explanation. So think like sermon. There would be a brief sermon, probably by a priest. Um, And then the people would respond to hearing God's Word through prayers, songs, and sometimes personal vows, which we'll talk about some more in a second. Um, And then the service would close with, like, a benediction, which is, like, where the priest would kind of bless the people. Some good words. And so wise worship starts with the attentive ears and locked lips. Douglas O'Donnell, he's a pastor in Australia, uh, although he comes from Chicago. Um, He's in Australia, and he's got this great saying. uh, It's a great quote I read recently. He says, "The, the words of God rather than the words of the worshipper are to take priority right worship is not about us i mean yeah it's it's good for us but it's not about us it's not about our personal tastes it's not about emotional highs those things can be okay they can happen that's fine but that's worship is all about listening to god listening to god's word the bible is central to worship, right? Those other things can happen, but this God's word is central to worship. And then you get this last section in verses four to seven, speaking. Um, like so said, the preacher king, Solomon, is not only concerned with how we listen, but he actually, I mean, with what we say. He's concerned with what we say because you know and I know, like worship isn't just listening. Like there is speaking involved. Um, and he reminds us in verses Actually, 1 through 7, he reminds us to what? Watch what we say. Um, You see that in verses 1 through 3. He also, I mean, look at verse 2. It's a great verse. He says, do not be quick with your mouth. Like he's saying, watch what you say. And then in verses 4 to 7, he reminds us not only to watch what we say, but to actually do what we say. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Look at verse 4. He says, when you make a vow to God... Do not delay in fulfilling it. Now, this may this may seem really strange to us, because we don't make, really we're not making vows in worship services anymore. Uh, but this was a this was a common practice in the Old Testament. Lots of people when they'd get to the temple as part of the worship service, they'd make these vows to God, these promises as part of the worship. You see, it one example would be Hannah in 1 Samuel one and two. She goes to the temple, she makes a vow, a promise, and she keeps it. Uh, it's a great story. Go read it. The problem isn't the vow, right? I mean, we still do this today, even though it's not a regular part of worship. I mean, I want you to just think. Uh, we make marriage vows, right? What's, what's some of those? To be faithful till what? Death do us part, right? Like we make, and a lot of times these weddings are worship services. Just think about that. Whoa, making vows in worship services. Um, as an ordained minister, me, I made vows. I made a lot of vows. Um, the problem is not the vow, it's the temptation to delay. Temptation to delay what we said we would do. You see that in verse 4. The temptation to not pay what we said we would. Verse 5. The temptation to make excuses for not doing what we said we would do. Um, You see that in verse 6. Like We still make promises to God. We think them, we pray them. You know, God, if you'll get me out of this situation, I promise I'll never do X again. Man, if if that girl will just be my girlfriend, I'll go to church with her, you know? I mean, mean, we come up with all kinds of stuff. We make promises. We make vows. Uh, We do this with people, with each other. We make promises, I'll be your friend, man. All four years we're here. We'll meet every week. It's going to be sweet, you know? We make make promises to each other. But we all know, because we've lived long enough, it is easy. It is so much easier making vows than keeping them, isn't it? Like all of you, I would imagine at some point, are on the receiving end of a broken promise. Somebody who said, yes, I'll come pick you up. Yes, I'll be your friend forever. No, I will never talk to you. You know, I mean, actually, that's terrible. No, I'll never talk to you, meaning I will never leave you. Guys, that was terrible. That's a terrible promise. Maybe some of you want some people to promise you that. I don't know. Please tell me you'll never be my friend again. Woo! Alright, so check this out. Jesus in Matthew five thirty seven. Jesus is like throwing down one of the most famous sermons of all time, right? Um, and he says what? Let what you say simply be yes or no. Right? You see that here in verse 6. What does he say in verse 6? Let not your mouth lead you into sin. And so like, guys, like he's saying let your yes be yes and your no be no. So do what you say keep your promises every time your mouth is open every time my mouth is open our hearts are on display every time your mouth is open your heart is on display for the world to see who you really are and whether or not you keep those kind of promises and what you say and what you do does that make sense? Um, and so this has been a quick run remembering listening speaking all about worship uh, God takes worship really seriously. Some stuff to think about. I remember years ago, I was, uh, um, I was at worship one Sunday morning. That's really good water. That's really good. <clears throat> I was at worship one Sunday morning, and I noticed this young lady, um, a college student, she was visiting, and she kind of comes in, and she's not far from me, and so I could kind of just... You know, when people, like, can be distracting, sometimes you see them kind of, like, digging through their bag or something. And, uh, and so I just kind of noticed what she was doing, and she's visiting her family, and she pulls out a planner. So back in the day, when you, some of y'all still have planners, you know, little books. Yeah, the girl's like, yeah, doodle them. Um, and so she kind of pulls out a planner, and then she pulls out a checkbook. And so I thought, I, I, people, you know, you pull out checkbooks all the time in church. She's kind of, like, hustling, you forget, oh, man, I got to write that tithe check, Ch-ch-ch-ch-ch. Crank it out before the plate gets here, <laughs> really. Sometimes it can be a stressful situation. So anyway, she pulls out her checkbook, but 20 minutes later, 25 minutes later, 40 minutes later, like she's still got the planner and the checkbook out. So I'm like, that's... And, and I mean, at this point, I'm just intrigued, and I look, and what I realize is she, throughout from the beginning to the end of this worship service, unless she had to stand um, to sing a song or something, she's been balancing her checkbook. That's right. interesting. Balancing your checkbook the whole time. And so that and yeah, it made me think, like, for many of us, we do, we, we, we show up to worship, but we're not really there. We're just not. Uh, we're just kind of sort of pretending to worship. Maybe some of you are exploring, and so you're there just kind of checking out, and that's great. Um, maybe some of us, where well, they kind of just show up, we kind of hit autopilot. Anybody? Just kind of hit autopilot, dude. Your eyes are open, but you're not there. Uh, you know, you're just an autopilot. Ne- I mean, you never really offer your mind and your heart to God, but you're present. And that's if you get out of bed. College students, how are we doing on Sunday mornings, homie? Huh? It's sometimes that bed is so warm and hard to get out of. I understand. I get it. Um, others of us, like we actually like, wor- like we like worship, like we want to go, um, We want to worship wisely. We want to be good worshipers. We want to worship in a way that really doesn't honor God. I think most of you could agree with that. Like, you you want to worship well, but still, even when the desire is there, we still struggle to be completely engaged, right, with everything we say and do in worship. Like, we struggle to be completely engaged. Um, And so... What's, what's going to change us? Like, what's going to help us be better worshipers? Um, and I think it's the sacrificial love of God. It's not necessarily the cool gimmicks that are going to make you better worshipers. But it's, it's actually remembering and seeing and believing and experiencing the sacrificial love of God. That, that he loves you freely, for free, right? Like, think about this. Jesus paid your way into worship with his life. And he secures our seat every time we go. And he did that for free, not because you deserve it, or you're cool. Right? He did it just because he loved you. Um And so I think the more we begin to take our eyes off of ourselves and fix them on the Savior, the better worshipers we become. And what's great is we actually begin to do what verse 7 tells us to. What's it say? Stand in awe of God. You will only stand in awe of God when you see how great and glorious Jesus is. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this passage. Thank you so much for reminding us um, that you love us, that you care about worship, that you are to be worshipped. And the thing that will lead us into Worship is seeing the Savior who died for us. Uh, Lord, would we fix our eyes on Jesus, I pray. And I pray in His name, amen.